0: Hey, 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 good morning, Calvary Church. No, 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 no. <clears throat> I should just turn off my mic and wipe off stage because it's all going to go downhill from here. Uh, but hey, good to see you guys. Some of you miss maybe your first Sunday walking in the door and you're like, who the heck is that dude? I've not ever seen him before in my life. And why are all those other crazy people clapping? I don't know why they're clapping. But um, if I've not met you, my name is Peter Smith, and uh, I do have the privilege of being one of the pastors here on an amazing team of ministers. And um, I've been away for about three months on a sabbatical, and we'll talk a little bit about that for a little bit and in, in coming up in a second. But uh, I'm back today. It's it's an interesting day. Like Brandon said, we've got. We kind of got If you've been around Calvary for a while, we got a new schedule we're doing. The ultimate goal in that is to make sure we've got age-appropriate environments for families to put their kids, if they choose to do that, and so that the parents have a place to worship and the kids have an age-appropriate place. And we love for kids to be in here. We just want to give family options. Um, and we got Sunday schools going on during services for kids, equipment classes for adults, equipment classes afterwards. We've got uh, man, just a great weekend coming up for ladies. We've got a weekend, a few weekends after that for just. M- emphasizing, man, how do we impact the world with our gospel? We partner with a bunch of folks who do that. We have the best donuts you'll ever eat outside because we want you to have a chance to connect. It is my first Sunday back, and as most of you know, this is Brandon's last Sunday with us. I've, I've navigated a lot of transitions, but never like literally crossed paths before uh, with a guy who it's been awesome to serve with for years. And we're going to pray for him at the end. Um, But it is good to be back. But you did not come to hear me just babble on. Uh, We came together to hear what God has for us. We'll get into that for a second. I do want to make you aware of something. A great exciting thing in our community is baptisms, and we do it several times a year, and every time we baptize folks, just amazing stories. And so we're going to be doing baptisms on the October 17th, and if you're a Christian and you have not yet been baptized, getting in Trumbull tap water with chlorine does not make you a Christian. But being baptized is something that you do do out of obedience. And if you've never taken that obedience step, whether, uh, you know, we we make sure our kids understand the gospel. But if you're a student or if you've been a Christian for 15 years and pride has just kept you from getting wet in front of other Christians, we would love to celebrate what Jesus has done in your life and hear your story and and celebrate that as a community. So October 17th, the class for baptisms is next week. And so to make sure we, we explain what it is, why we do it. So I just want to call that out to your attention. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into what we're going to talk about today. So let me pray. Father, thank you for the truth and the reality that Jesus does change everything. Thank you for the kindness and the mercy and the love and the patience that we see in Jesus coming to be where we are and giving up everything for us, and even in this moment interceding for us. And I pray that... We will never minimize that and that the sweetness of that will be something that we savor and that we think about. I pray today for our kids who at this very moment, a bunch of our students are are being taught uh, about you, Father, that they will understand it and they will hear that and for their teachers. I pray for marriages in this room and for those that are healthy and strong, that your grace and your spirit, Father, will continue to encourage that and support that, and I pray for marriages and couples in this room who it has been a long years that your grace will be in their hearts um, to help them navigate what you have for them in their marriage and strengthen marriages. Help us, Father, as we look ahead to what we're going to study together as a community, Um, and will you just be honored and glorified in what we do this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, here's what I want to do today, right? I just want to kind of do two simple things. I want to look back a little bit at what kind of God did in my heart over my sabbatical, and then I want to shift and I want to look ahead to together in about two weeks what you and I are going to study for months going into the fall, right? So I want to just spend a little bit of time looking back, and then I want to look ahead. I don't want to spend a bunch of time looking back over my sabbatical because nobody came to hear Deep thoughts by Peter Smith, right? Uh, Because they're not that deep, right? Nobody comes to hear deep thoughts by Peter Smith. What binds you and I together on Sunday mornings is God's Word. And if you're newer to Calvary, what we've done for years, and kind of one of our hallmarks, is we open up a book of the Bible and we walk through that verse by verse, paragraph to paragraph, and we unpack it, we understand it. That's what we're about on Sunday morning. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about like my experience. But at the same time, it might be a little weird to come up here and just act as if I hadn't been gone for three months uh, and that nothing had happened in my life because God did teach me some things. So let me just kind of spend some time with you sharing a little bit about what my three months have been like. Some of you may have no idea what a sabbatical even is, uh, but it's something that this church is kind and gracious to give to pastors. It's a time where we can get away to rest, to refresh, to prepare, to think, to care for our own souls so that we're in a better place to care for your souls as well as we can. That was not, uh, the sabbatical that I took was not in response to um, burnout or like, hey, I just got to get out of here and fish for three months, right? Uh, It it was just kind of part of what you guys graciously offer to your pastors as part of the benefit package. Every seven years of service, uh, we get to take one. And I am deeply grateful for the elders who gave this opportunity to me. I'm deeply grateful for you as a church having this be something that you value and you do for us, even if you didn't know you do it for us. Uh, And I'm grateful for the amazing staff of pastors and ministry leaders that you have, which does not, uh, not me, because man, the other members of this team, they have worked so hard in my absence. Um, As you know, we've kind of Waited to rehire for a position or two coming into the fall, but man, man, the team that I get to serve with and your pastors and your ministry leaders, they have just served so faithfully and so well. I'm just so grateful for every single one of them picking up the slack to carry this thing on to make sure that you and your families are well served. Um, many of you, as I was leaving, were very encouraging to me. Maybe that's because you didn't want me to come back. No, no, no. you were just so encouraging with your kind words and your prayers, and that meant so much for my family and for me as we headed out. So thank you very much for all of you who supported us and, and thought of us, all of you who bumped into us at ShopRite and uh, just said some kind words. So it meant a lot. So it was, it was good to get away because I was tired. Um, I've done this gig Uh, for more than a year, and this was the first time I ever had an opportunity for something like this. Um, And it was good for me, and it was good for my soul. And hopefully there'll be fruit that'll flow out of that that'll be good for us as a church together. So let me just share a few things that I learned. Um, I'm not going to share everything. I'm not going to sit up here and flip through my journal entries for three months, although that would be very fascinating some psychological experiment, I'm sure. What I'm going to share, not in any particular order or priority, but I'm going to share a few things with you because maybe some of these things will resonate with what you've experienced in your life or in your heart. We'll look back for a little bit and then we're going to look ahead. And, and here's the first thing that Coming into this thing back in June, whenever you guys sent me off, I don't even know when it was. Here's one of the first things that through these three months really impressed on me is this. It is If you're a believer, it is good to be with God. It is good to be with God. Some of you are thinking, dude, if we had to send you in sabbatical for you to realize that, we have hired the wrong person. But, but here's what I mean by that. As Christians, and it is important to have a plan and a process to read Scripture, right? What, devotionals, quiet times, whatever. It's, a, it's important to be purposeful in that, to study God's Word and to do it in a way that encourages us. It's important to be purposeful in our prayer. But, but sometimes we get so busy doing those good, important tasks of Bible study and of prayer that we miss the sweet opportunity we have just to stop and to be in the presence of God. I'm a guy who works really hard to uh, prepare sermons and study. I'm a guy who makes sure in addition to that that I'm I'm doing my own time with God and, and, and prioritizing that. But man, it'd been a while since I just purposefully spent some time slowing down and stopping and exhaling and allowing my heart to realize that, man, I get to spend a few minutes quietly in the presence of God who created everything. And I get to just be here with Him. That was good for me. That was good for me. You know, Jesus has these words where He says, Abide in me. Abide in me. And sometimes myself, Sometimes you, sometimes we can get so busy doing good things and necessary things for God that we miss the chance to realize we can have an opportunity to stop and be with God. Be still and know that I am God. And life in Fairfield County or whatever county you may live in, life in Connecticut, life in the Northeast, is not a still life. Be still and know that I am God, a verse that that I thought about a lot. A lot of times for the Psalms, David will talk about how I quieted my soul before God. When was the last time? When was the last time that, 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 and and if you don't know me, I'm not a legalistic dude, uh, so you have to trust me on that, I guess, if you don't know me. When, When was the last time that you had the opportunity to stop and do a quiet time, do a devotional? Was it once this month? Right? Every day this week, a couple times this month. When was the last time that you just stopped and were with God? Just being. It is good for our souls to be with God, and I'm glad that I had the opportunity to do that. The second thing that happened to me first. It happens to me. It constantly happens to me. But when you stop tasks, God has an opportunity to kind of get you there in that like interrogation chair, right? With the light in your eye and the, the screen you can't. Man, God did a lot of work in my soul doing surgery on my heart. Um because I and in sermons I mentioned it, man, there's there's some things that I look to for meaning and for comfort that I wrongly look to above God. An idol. And I say that kind of confidently because I know that each of you have idols. Every single one of us have things in our lives that we look to of what gives us meaning and satisfaction and when it all starts to crumble we turn to that thing and what God does is he over time removes and diminishes those things in our heart so that our heart will fully and only be satisfied in him. And in the first few weeks, man, God was doing surgery on my heart. And I had some idols that he was just taking a big old sledgehammer and smashing. Uh, And that was good. But that was hard. But I'm grateful for that. Kind of moving into you and I together, one thing that struck me as I started thinking about Calvary is discipleship matters. Discipleship matters. What Jesus sent us into the world to do was go into the world and make disciples. Disciples. And in churches across the country, including Calvary, we have lots of amazing environments and structures. But the the encouraging thing that I come back with is, man, I really want us to be a church that focuses on making disciples. And I guess the encouraging thing is, I talked to a lot of pastors throughout this time, and ain't nobody got that figured out. Uh, They don't. But that doesn't mean that we don't continue to work hard to figure out what does that look like for you and I for a church with our demographics, a church with our size, a church with our environments, how do we as a church and as a people and as Christians really, really press into making disciples, me growing as a disciple, you growing as a disciple, us growing as disciples of Jesus together, which involves more than just coming and sitting on blue chairs for an hour and 10 minutes a week, right? That's part of it, but that's not all of it. And so I'm excited to get a dry erase board and scribble all over it and like have more trucks from Staples coming, bringing dry erase markers as the elders and I and the staff and I and key leaders and I as we pray into this and think about that and press into it. Another thing I realized is this. Is, here it is, ready? Being in church with other Christians was more meaningful than watching other Christians in church from my couch. Being in church with other Christians Was more meaningful to me than watching other Christians in church from my couch. I did the virtual, it's fascinating, right? Whatever your profession is, you don't get an opportunity to sometimes just kind of not do that profession for three months. Right? So on Sundays, man, for for 16 years or so, 836 Sundays or something like that, I come into a room and my brain is just thinking about what we're about to do in that service and what's going on. So this was a chance for me to stop. And so I was a attender of churches and I did the virtual thing and it was a great opportunity for me to catch up with other buddies around the country who are pastors, friends of mine and watch them and learn from them. It was a great opportunity. Uh, To watch some other churches, I think, highly of and get ministered. But there came a moment when, literally, in my soul, I'm like, I cannot watch a TV screen anymore. I need to be with other Christians, I need to physically be in a space with other christians who are a source of encouragement for me because it helps me realize i'm not alone in this gig on my couch with myself by myself there is a body of christ over there now look we do virtual church and man i'm telling you our tech team and our program guys man i'm just i will put our our quality of it up against anybody. I watched churches 14,000 times our size. The thing was buffering. Everything was dropping off. I'm like knuckleheads. Let me send you Dave Katz for a week and he'll get this cleaned up, right? And, And virtual church is a great resource, but it is not a replacement for physical church. It is a resource if you're sick, if you have health issues that keep you from coming to be with people, right? If you're traveling, if you do need to kind of mow your lawn before the rain comes, right? It is a resource, and I'm grateful that for people who their health doesn't allow them to come here, that they have an opportunity to still worship with us. It is a resource, but it is not a replacement for in-person church, and it can get really, really easy for it to become a replacement. This is just what I learned. Because, man, I like making me some waffles in my pajamas. <laughs> I did. Yeah, They're good waffles. Right? And it becomes really easy for it to become a replacement, which isn't ultimately good for our souls. Right? It's not. I remember I went to a church in the city, uh, Calvary Baptist Church. Been there for years, um, and so we went there to go check it out, among other churches. And a uh, very diverse group, amazing group of people. We love being with them. And, 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 and as I was telling my story, somebody just made the comment, like, man, we're glad you're here. Isn't it great to be with family? And it was. It was. It was great for me as a pastor who for three months was just a congregant to be with the family of God uh, and to be encouraged by that. On Sundays, I needed to be with family. N- next thing that I realized is this I, when I went to church, I promise we'll get into God's word in a minute. Just stick with me for 22 seconds. The segue there will be amazing. You're going to, right? Here's it. When I went to church, though, as I was getting in my car and as I was driving in the parking lot, I pulled in and I walked into that room expectantly and needily. I came into church expectantly and needily. And here's what I mean by that. I mean, you know what the words mean, but I came in there thinking to myself, man, I really want to hear something from God today. I am here because I need to hear something from God today. I yearn as I'm walking into that door to hear something from God today. I was so eager, and as I walked in, I had this other thought. Every single time I went to a live church, here's what it is. I thought to myself, I hope that worship pastor and I hope that teaching pastor aren't just mailing it in today. I hope they're just not going through the motions. I hope they've come prayed up. I hope they've come seeking God throughout the week about what they can give to me from the Lord. I hope they're not just mailing it in and going through the motions because I came expectantly and I came needily. And here's what I want you to know, right? What happens here on a Sunday morning, there's churches that do it better than us, that's great, but I'll speak for myself and I'll speak for what Brandon's heart is and I'll speak for whoever God has and the guys who are going to be covering the next month. Look, we're never going to mail it in. I never have mailed it in. I have no reason to think any of our staff have mailed it in. And some of you are like, what do you mean by mailed it in? I mean, we just get up here and say stuff, but we haven't been praying over it. We haven't been thinking over it. I, as a teaching pastor, I will never mail it in. And I just want you to be assured, you will hear far better sermons from other guys. And a lot of those other better sermons are all prayed up, by men. I will never come and preach not being prayed up and not of asking God throughout the week, God, what do you want the people of Calvary to hear from this text? And I want you to come expectantly. And I want you to come needily because we are our family And we don't come here to hear deep thoughts from Peter Smith. Who cares? We come to hear amazing thoughts from the Word of God that meet us where we are and encourage us where we are. Come expectantly, come needily. We're going to come being prayed up, and we're going to wait and see what God has for us. I heard amazing sermons amazing sermons. Most of the churches I visited were significantly smaller than our church, amazing sermons. I learned things that I'd never learned from texts that I'd read a bazillion times in my life, and that was awesome. And you know what I did? I took me some notes. Every place I went, I had my $9.99 Staples thing because I didn't quite feel like bringing this $29.99 29.99 Moleskin notebook, right? I had the 9.99 Staples. I had my 19.99 fountain pen from Amazon.com, and I wrote notes down. I wrote notes because it helped me engage in what the person was saying. Like I was following. I wrote notes because I'm like, man, I want to remember this, and I am now able to go back and think that sermon that I heard that place was great. Let me flip to my journal and find where it was. I went to a great Calvary Chapel uh, up in up in New Hampshire, outside by a lake, and when the pastor there got to speak. Everybody pulled out a Bible, whether digital or not, right? But there were so many notebooks, and I'm like, wow, this is cool. I just want you to be able to have a way to engage with what God's Word is and have a way to remember what He's taught you, right? We do this to learn God's Word. And so I'm going to encourage you, man, maybe some of you, run down to Staples. Buy a $9.99 Staples generic journal. Or if you want to be a hipster... Go to an independent bookstore and spend $19.99 for a moleskin, fine paper notebook, get you a pen, or do it digitally. But man, a great opportunity for you and I as we jump into a new series in two weeks. So we're going to intro in about 14 seconds. To take notes, to engage with it. I don't care if I don't care if you take notes or not. I don't get, I'm not, I haven't renegotiated my payment salary structure to get like a 4% commission every person that brings a notebook, okay? So I don't get anything out of it, but you'll get something out of it. You'll get something out of it, not because the greatest communicators are up here, because we're going to be communicating God's word. So I challenge you. We're going to intro something today. In two weeks, we're going to kick it off in earnest. Man, it would be great if we committed for the fall. Let's take notes on what we're going to study together. So that is looking back, which raises the amazing segue. Well, Peter... If you want me to bring a notebook and take notes about what we're going to be studying about this fall, what are we going to be studying this fall? I am glad you asked. Let's, let's kind of look ahead to what's coming in the fall, right? What book can you and I come expectantly and what needily to study together? Here's what we're going to just walk through in our next few minutes together today. We're going to talk about what book we'll study, who wrote it, why was it written, what topics does it cover, and what will it show us? What book will we study, who wrote it, why was it written, what topics does it cover, and what will it show us? And I did, for, that is such a lovely background. I kind of want to get, when I, w- I went to Vermont on my sabbatical, and uh, Man, I got my Forerunner with its awesome tires, right? 22 years old, rusted bumper that looks amazing. I don't care what y'all say. And in the back of my Forerunner, everywhere I went, I got me a Vermont fishing license, so I had my fishing pole. And I would just literally stop on the side of the road and go fishing. Hmm, I kind of want to go fishing in that little stream right now, just right. So here's what we're going to study. So first question is, what book are we going to study this fall together? And here's the book that we're going to study together this fall: the Book of James. The book of James. We, if you were with us uh, back in the spring and last year, what we did is we kind of called a timeout from going book by book, and we kind of walked through the Old Testament together, right? And so I knew this fall, man, I want to get back in a book of a Bible, and I've really thought a lot of time reading different books and praying about different books and thinking about where we are as a church. And so this fall, together, we're going to study the book of James. Here, here's the second question for you and I to press into this morning. Who wrote it? Go ahead. Hey, Take a guess. If you get it right, I'll give you a free cup of coffee and a donut on the way out the door. Okay. Ready? Here it is. We're going to study the book of James. Who do you think wrote the book of James? Yes! Four of you get a free donut out the door, right? Yeah. A guy named James is the person who wrote the book. Now, there's a lot of Jameses in the New Testament, right? There's several different Jameses referenced, and most conservative authors agree that the James that wrote the book of the Bible, that we're going to study together verse by verse, chapter by chapter, that the James that wrote that was actually the brother of Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus. Jesus was born through a divine, miraculous virgin birth. After Jesus' birth... Mary and Joseph, husband and wife, had them some more babies, right? They're like, we got Jesus, man, but now let's you and I, man, we want some more kids. We've always wanted some kids and the dog and the yellow lab and the puppy, so let's have some more babies. So Mary and Joseph had some more children. These children were step-brothers and sisters, in essence, of Jesus. I'll just say brothers and sisters because it's quicker, and James was probably the second-oldest child in uh, Mary and Joseph's home. So Jesus was the oldest child, firstborn. Then James was the second uh, oldest child of Mary and Joseph's household. It's interesting, for a period of his life, James and the rest of his family thought Jesus was crazy, literally. They're like, Mom, I don't know, did, did, did my older brother, like, dude's crazy. It's interesting, we see that in a few different places <clears throat> in Scripture, one place now, we see that is John 7, where it says Jesus is doing some teaching, and it writes that not even his own brothers believed him. There's another passage in Mark that shows this a little more explicitly. Jesus, again, is teaching, and he's talking, and he's saying, I'm the Messiah. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. There was a period of time when Jesus' brothers, including the James that wrote this book, thought, this Jesus is crazy. He's running around saying all this stuff that's not true. He, we got to get, get him out of here because he is out of his mind. But something in James' heart changed. We, one thing we know is that James, the stepbrother of Jesus, went from being a guy who thought Jesus was crazy to being a person who absolutely believed in Jesus. After Jesus' death and his resurrection, at that point, the trajectory we see James on is absolute, resolute faith and belief in Jesus. Between the time that they think he's crazy and his death and resurrection, where in that spectrum did James actually start to think this is true? We don't know, but we do know that after Jesus' death and resurrection, James actually thought that Jesus and believed Jesus was true. After that, James became the leader of the very first church that was ever in existence. James became one of the pastors. The guy that we're going to read this letter that he wrote became one of the pastors of the first church that ever, ever started. He then kind of moved up and became an overseer or like I guess you could call him a bishop if you want of various churches. He was a leader not just of one church but various churches had a huge role in navigating different things that churches were going through. And for months together, you and I, are gonna have the opportunity to hear what Jesus's brother wrote. We're gonna hear words from Jesus's brother under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And that's pretty cool to me. Like, man, I get to hear what one of Jesus's family members is writing, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write that book. James was martyred uh, because of his faith and because of his belief because of his belief in Jesus. So why did James write this book? Why did Jesus' brother get inspired to write this book? What was he hoping to accomplish? Here's why he wrote it. James wanted to ensure that Christians did not simply believe the right thing. He wants them to also do the right thing. James, one of the first pastors, right? James, actually, this book we're going to study, is probably one of the earliest letters ever written in the Bible, right, in the New Testament. One of the letters that is written probably closest to Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. And what James, Jesus' brother, is saying, look, there's a lot of people out here who are starting to believe the right things about Jesus, but I want to make sure that individually and corporately, they just don't only believe the right things, but the people who say they believe in Jesus also do the right things. Now, we're going to talk about this a good bit. Several kind of keep coming back to this. The doing, this is really important, the doing the right things doesn't bring about the belief, right? But the question is, once a person does believe in Jesus, once a person does believe that they were separated from God by sin and there was nothing they could do on their own to ever get back in a right relationship with God, And that their sin needed to be punished and they believe that Jesus was punished as a substitute for them. Because of them and for them, Jesus took the punishment that they should have taken, which gives all of us forgiveness. When a person believes that, what James is saying is, look... That's the, that's the, that is fundamental, that is critical, that is necessary, but the work's not done simply because you believe the right thing. The question is now, let Jesus transform your life so that you're a person who also does the right things. The doing doesn't bring about the belief. The doing doesn't make God love you more. The doing, right, isn't why God accepts you. He accepts you because of faith in Jesus And he sees Jesus when he looks at you, and he sees perfection, and so there's acceptance and there's forgiveness. But once we're accepted, once we're forgiven, what are accepted, forgiven Christians, believers, supposed to look like and act like and think like? And what James, Jesus' brother, is saying is, my brother died not just so that people would believe the right things, but so that people, out of their belief, would then be propelled to also do the right things. And what does that have to do with us? Right? If this book was written not just so that we will believe the right things, but also do the right things through the power of the Holy Spirit, motivated by God's love, what does that have to do with you and me? It has to do two different things for you and for I. You and for me, you and for I, whatever. Here's the first thing, individually individually. Individually, in the coming months, you're going to have an opportunity to really see how God wants you to act, what he wants you to do. And you'll have an opportunity to hear the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by Jesus' brother to help shape and continue to transform and continue to grow you. But it's not just an opportunity for you individually. We as a community of faith or for people who come who maybe aren't in faith but want to know like, well, what is a group of Christians supposed to look like, right? If you're here today and you don't believe this Jesus thing, man, I want you to keep coming. And you're going to have an opportunity not just to hear what Christians believe about Jesus, but you're going to have an opportunity to hear what God wants Christians to be doing. Here's the opportunity we have collectively as a community, we're going to be able to rally around these things. We're going to be able to coalesce around these things. I, 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 I don't even know if I want to say it, but I'm too far gone I'm going to say it. I am tired of the things that, have di- that divide us. I'm tired of them. I'm tired of the things that divide Christians. I'm tired of the things that are dividing families. I'm just tired of it all. I am. And I don't want... We have an opportunity to say, you know what, that, that, that's static, but what we're going to do for three months is, man, we're going to press into God's Word and say, this is what unites us. This is what unites us. What unites a bunch of us is our common belief in Jesus, and what unites us is we're going to rally around as a church being the type of people individually and then collectively that Jesus wants us to be. We have a great chance to coalesce whoo, around some values and around some priorities, and around some things. We have a great chance to unify around some values, and around some things, and strive together as a group of people to see God bring about those things in our life individually, and in our life corporately. So what, what are we going to study? What topics are we going to hit as we jump into this? We're, we're going to talk about what James talks about here. Here's what he talks about. Trials, how we respond to God's word care for the hurting, faith that's alive, our words... We keep going, it doesn't stop there. How to get wisdom, interpersonal relationships, money, God's sovereignty, and understanding sickness and prayer. That list is the list of topics that James just boom, 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 boom. And as we walk through those things, right, the, the fourth question was what topics are we going to cover? Those are the topics. We're going to cover them because James covers them. We're going to cover them in the order in which James covers them. And, and so that what are we going to kind of see from that, right? As we study those together, what will James show us? As we walk through all of those things. And the reason James talks about each one of those bullet lists is because, you know what? In my life, in your life, you encounter those things. You deal with those things. And so the question is, what is James going to show us? Here's some things that James is going to show us. That we can expect trials. We can expect trials. James wouldn't talk about trials It wasn't something that we could expect, and you don't need to come to church to hear a pastor back from sabbatical tell you that you can expect trials in life, both individually and as a church. We are, James is going to show us that every day, whether you're a Christian or not, but but all of us have the choice, every day we have a choice about how we're going to respond to this. Every day. There's something in this book that we know to be, have many of us believe to be true that confronts something or speaks to something we're facing. And every single day, well, our choice is this, like, yeah, you know what? I'm over that book. My, I decide what's right. I'm the one in charge. I'm going to keep that down there because I'm the authority in my life. Or we have the chance to say, nope, you know what? It's good, but I'm good, and we're kind of on equal footing. Or we have the chance to put the authority of Scripture in its right place and say, man, it's over me. And everything I do in my life, I want to do according to the authority and the truth of Scripture. And every single day, I have a choice about what I'm going to do with God's Word. And you have a choice. What James is going to show us is there are some particular groups of people that God gives us the privilege of serving if you're like, man, I want to care for people, I want a church to care for people, we don't have to guess about the type of people and the group of people that God wants us to care for because we're going to walk through that together. What James will show us is there's going to be times when you and I are tempted to wrongly treat one group of people. There's going to be moments we're going to see when we need wisdom. James is going to talk about wisdom because there's going to be moments when we need wisdom. There's going to be moments... Some of you are like, I knew all this already, but there's going to be moments when it is hard for you to get along with somebody else in your life. Can you believe that? No, that's not true. There's going to be moments when if you have to see that person one more time, you want to hit them with your car. Don't hit them with your car. There's going to be moments when you and I, because James is going to talk about it, there's going to be moments when for many of us, we put money in a place it was never supposed to be put. Well, we're going to put money as the thing that gives us meaning and gives us comfort and gives us satisfaction, and you and I are going to face that temptation. You and I are going to have moments in our life because James is going to make us talk about that we have to realize that God's sovereignty sometimes trumps our plans. God's sovereignty sometime trumps our plans and there's going to be moments in our life when we have friends who get sick, very sick. There's going to be moments in our life and maybe moments even this fall when some of us get sick. Almost every first or second Sunday back after a new year, I make some comment like, man, none of us have any idea what's in store for us this year. And unfortunately, every year, There's unexpected curveballs that come into people's lives in our church that they didn't see coming. And some of us this year are going to have friends who get sick. And some of us this year, the reality of life is some of us are going to get sick. And we need to know what do we do in those moments. Are you navigating any of those topics now? Needing wisdom? Looking to money to give you something it could never ever give you? Dealing with sickness, dealing with interpersonal chaos. Are you navigating that right now, right? Maybe you're not navigating it now, but maybe some of those are topics that you've kind of processed through and struggled through in the past. Have you ever faced those moments and wondered, well, what do I do? Well, here's the good news for you and me. Through the book of James, we're going to get clear guidance about what to do. We're going to get clear instruction about what to do in those moments, and in two weeks, we're going to start by thinking about when we face trials, what do we do? I say two weeks because literally about a year ago, uh, I had a commitment on my calendar for next Sunday. I have three—I know I I I only look 25, right? But it's hard for you to believe. I have three kids in college. If you see me on the side of the road with a sign that says, Kidney for (laughs) Sale— You'll know why. Please buy one and give me a lot of money for it, okay? I have three kids in college now, and next weekend is Parents' Weekend. They're all at the same college. Isn't that crazy? Uh, So next weekend, Casey and I, we committed a year ago. Before even the sabbatical, we knew the date. We're we're driving down there, um, so I won't be here next weekend. But in two weeks, we're going to kick off, and we're going to start thinking about trials. And when we face a trial, when we face a struggle, uh, what do we do? And so I hope you'll come back. I hope you'll walk this series with us through James. I think it's going to be great. I think we're going to have a chance individually to see how God wants us to transform. We're going to have a chance as a church community to rally together and to coalesce along with some things so that's what we're going to talk about and that's two weeks and this week we have one more thing to talk about can you pop up the like the last bullet point slide if we can still do this Uh, I'm going to invite Brandon if he's somewhere in the house and his family and uh, I know a bunch of elders are traveling but if you're in the room today and you're one of our elders or if you're a former elder I would love for you to come on up the stage now um, and (laughs) I probably finished too quick and Brandon's not here (laughs) oh no he's here right so so here's the point right this this point next week we're talking about trials but here's what we can have an opportunity to think about today that we have to realize that god's sovereignty sometimes trumps our plans we are people who follow a god whose ways are not our ways and who does things that we don't you come on you guys can come on up who does things uh that are sometimes unexpected and uh you know, a while ago, Brandon shared with you guys and LaMaire shared that just as he'd been spending some, this is Brandon's family, by the way, if you don't know them all, that uh, as he and Jenny Ray had kind of been praying and thinking about God's direction and God's leading, um, that he just felt, and he shared this, right, that man, what God had brought him and Jenny Ray and their kids here to Calvary to do over the past three years, and he has done a lot. That God brought him here to do some things, and that in God's sovereignty, a little bit unexpectedly, God was kind of winding that chapter down and leading him to do something else. And so, uh, right, God's in charge. And so we are excited. That God is calling Brandon to go somewhere and Jenny Ray and their kids to go serve another family, another church as as well and as richly and as faithfully as they've served us. Um, And so we're grateful. And so today is my first Sunday and old boys' last Sunday. We're ships in the night. It's like some... It's like some I don't know black and white movie, and we'll meet at the World Trade Grand Central Station in like 10 o'clock tonight or something, right? Um, but man, we have a great opportunity to just pray for you guys and uh, send them out, and just so deeply grateful um, just for you and Jenny Ray and your kids and what all of you guys have done, um, and it has been an honor to share the stage with you, man. Just every son, this guy loves Jesus. Um, and man, I'm just so grateful that we've had somebody leading us every Sunday in worship uh, who loves Jesus um, and just grateful for what you've done. So um, we're going to pray for you. There's going to be a chance afterwards, Brandon and his family, <clears throat> at the end of both services they're going to be outside. There's a little tent, a little table. If you guys just want to thank them, uh, pass on your appreciation and just uh, your gratitude to their family, that'd be meaningful. So um, uh, Dom, I don't know if we have a mic for you. Oh, to Grab that green one over there. Um, yeah. So Dom's one of our elders. Again, if you're newer to Calvary, we have a group of guys who are kind of like a spiritual board, spiritual leaders, spiritual shepherds. Um, and so Dom, I'm just going to ask if you just want to come and, uh, man, just pray over these guys as they go out, and then we'll send them on their way. That'd be awesome.
1: Father God, thank you for today. Lord, we are so grateful for who you are. You are always the same, Lord. You never change. You know things, Lord God, that uh, we will never, never, ever know in this life. And a lot of that has to do with timing, and it has to do with where we're going and our journeys and our paths. And, and what we have, Lord God, is really all in your hands anyway. Father, it's been so good to know this family. It's been so good to be a part of their fellowship. It's been so wonderful to worship under uh, Brandon as he uh, would lead us each and every Sunday. It's been so great to be with this family, Lord. They have blessed, and I know that we have blessed them as well, Father. Dear God, um, as they move forward, and forward indeed, Lord God, may you bless them. May you watch over them, their every need, May they grow closer to you, Father. May you give them wisdom that they will need in changing location and changing uh, what they will be involved in in their community. Father, as the kids grow older, Lord God, may you be with them in a special way. Grant them your safety, your care, your your love. And uh, dear God, may the God of hope, may the God of hope, grant joy and peace and everything as we all in the Ventlings trust in you. And Lord God, uh, may that all be the case that we would be, and they would be overflowed with joy and hope. May that hope just overflow over their lives, Lord God, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so God, thank you again for this time. Go with them, Lord God. And we, uh, we love you and, and love the Ventlings, Lord. And we look forward to hearing more about them in the coming days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. All right. One more service, bro. <laughs> One more service. Uh, hey. <clears throat> All right, so that concludes our time together. These guys will be uh, outside for you to greet them. Sure appreciate you being here today. Grab a donut and a free coffee, even if you got James wrong, uh, and look forward to seeing wisdom from God about how we navigate trials in the coming weeks. Great to see you guys. Have an awesome Sunday.